I'm going to do a real quick review, and I'm going to read the whole passage again, because last week we had such a great Q&A session afterwards, and I hope that you'll come join us on a Wednesday night. Number one, it's, it's just fun to be here. Number two, the Q&A that we have afterwards is just great. So reading from Mark chapter 7, we're talking about pure hearts tonight. One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. Now, this was not about hygiene. This was about um, a religious ritual that had been reserved for the priests, but the Pharisees thought that everybody ought to do it. And um, personally, I, I think we all ought to wash our hands before we eat, but it has nothing to do with religion. It just has to do with clean hands. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by the ancient traditions. And similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pictures, and, uh, pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law ask him, now notice they're not concerned about all the miracles, they're not concerned about all the things that we've already looked at, they're concerned about tradition. Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Well, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Now, what Jesus is getting at, and we're, we looked at this last week, is how that they loved their traditions so much that they equated them with the Word of God. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. And Christians still do that today. There's always that temptation. So we have to be careful about that. For you, ignore God's law, and you substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have, given, I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In other words, they were using the law to sidestep one of the big ten from the Ten Commandments about honoring your mother and your father, which included caring for them as they got older, and that was called Corbin. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents, and so you cancel the Word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. So I want to talk to you tonight about those traditions, traditions that we want to honor, traditions that I think are, are, are good traditions. We talked about good traditions. We talked about bad traditions last week in our Q&A. And we'll probably do that again tonight. I forgot my iPad, so I had to print these notes out. Um, we talked about, first of all, congruence and lifestyle. If you weren't here last week, congruence is heart and lifestyle and life-giving synchronicity. In other words, just like you sync your device. If I sync my iPhone, it immediately syncs to my computer and it syncs to my iPad as well. If it's a shared document with the staff, it also syncs with their documents. If it's a shared document with my, my wife or maybe with one of you when I sync, then it's, we're, we're in synchronicity together. So we want our hearts and we want our lifestyle to be in sync. It's really easy, it's really easy 
to have an outward lifestyle without a change of heart. And that's what Jesus was getting at. In other words, you wash the cup on the outside, but inside it's really, really... Have you ever seen a cup that you forgot to wash? Maybe you left it in the basement or the garage and a science experiment started in there? Remember that fuzzy stuff in there? The outside looked nice and clean, but the inside, that's another story. Well, that's what Jesus was getting at when he talked about them being whitewashed sepulchers or whitewashed tombs. So we want to keep our... Our lifestyle, we want to keep our, our hearts, we want to keep that in sync. Number two, ritualized rites will never substitute for grace. Ritualized rites will never substitute for grace. In other words, true affection has to come from the heart. We can obey externally, but break the law in our heart. In other words, Jesus said, you know what? You've heard that it said not to commit adultery. This is one of those great examples that everybody knows. But he says, I'm saying if you look at a woman with lust, then you've already committed adultery in your heart. I can't remember the, the name of the TV show. It was, it was um, the same guy that played Mall Cop. What is this, Paul Bart or something like that? One time he's getting his hair cut and the girl is really pretty, and she's walking away, and he's looking at her, you know, and she gives him a mirror to look at, you know, how his haircut looks. When he looks it up, there's his wife standing right behind him, you know, and suddenly what was on the inside was revealed what was on the outside, and he was in a whole peck of trouble right then. So we want to keep our inside and our outside. We want our affection to come within our hearts. There are two conflicting views that you're looking at here. You're looking at what Jesus calls sin and what the Pharisees call sin, and you're looking at the holiness code, which came out of the book of Leviticus. How many of you read your Bibles through every year? You have an annual Bible. How many of you ever get bogged down in Leviticus? Okay, how many of you go, I'm just going to read it all at one time so I can get it over with, you know? It's because it's the holiness code. It's about teaching the people of God how to be different, how to be separate from the rest of the world, and to live for God. But God even says in the book of Leviticus, if you're just keeping this on the outside, but the inside hasn't changed, you've missed the whole point. And that's what Jesus was getting at. In Isaiah 29 and verse 13, these people say, they are mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. I don't even want our communion to become a man-made rule that we just do for the sake of doing it. Now, there is a place for ruts, okay? There is a place for Sometimes the ruts and the routines of life become grooves of grace in our life, okay? So if you've ever had to walk through the woods at night and there's been a rutted trail, or if you've ever had to drive off-road and you've seen the ruts where lots of other people have driven before, not many of us have ever had to trail break before. I've done that once, hiking with some guys one time up in the mountains, and we were trail breaking. That's a difficult thing to do. So there are certain routines that I have in my life that may not sound very spiritual to you, but I do them every single day whether I feel like it or not, but it comes from my heart. Does that make sense? A lot of times in the wintertime, 
I don't want to get out of that warm bed next to Becky, roll out in a 59-degree house and slip on my sweatpants and my sweatshirt and go downstairs and read my Bible. I would much rather turn on my iPad and read my Bible in the bed next to Becky. But I need to be up and I need to be downstairs with a cup of coffee so that I can really get into it. It's a, it's a routine. I'm using the word rut because I, I'm picturing what we call cow trails that were going through the pastures where the cattle would come in back and forth, they become grooves of grace for us. And that idea was birthed because I can remember on moonlit nights because there was so much white sand, you could see those ruts going across the pastures and you could get across them. So having a routine is not bad. You just don't want it to be rote. You don't want it to be without feeling and without emphasis. You want it to be, God, I'm here because I need you and I love you. Number three, those who justify themselves by legalism will always modify it to rationalize their lifestyle. We looked at that last week. We talked about how the book of James talked about looking in the mirror. We, we talked about some of the things that the Mishnah, the that had been written that was equated with the law of God. For instance, looking in a mirror was forbidden on Sunday, on the Sabbath day. You know, brushing your teeth or wearing false teeth was forbidden on the Sabbath day. You know, the rabbis even debated about whether a man could get his wooden leg if his house was on fire on the Sabbath day, you know? There were just all kinds of things in that. And I'm not saying that to be critical of the Jewish people. I love the fact that they were looking for ways to honor the Lord but then it became legalism, and they thought if we're doing these things, we are right with God. And I've had people who claim to be Christians. I've had people who claim to be Jewish. I've had people who claim to be Muslim who've just depended upon their works and, <clears throat> pardon me, and not upon grace. Jesus called, if you'll look with me at the next verse, and I'm beginning to read now. Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Now, this is shocking. There was a lady in our church told me one time, she says, whenever you clap your hands and you go, now listen, she says, I know I really need to pay attention right there. And you know what? That's what Jesus is doing. It's kind of like when he says, verily, 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 if you read the King James Version. He's saying, listen up. Try to understand. It's not what goes in your body that defiles you. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable or the story or the teaching uh, that he had just done, that he had just used. He says, don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By declaring this, he declared, by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Now, hold on just a second because I don't want you to miss, I didn't have time to deal with this last week. In the Mishnah, they address this, and it's true, this is what Jesus is saying. It's not the food you eat. Because the food is digested and then eliminated from the body. The mission declared that the, the elimination from our body of the food we ate was not unclean. And that's what Jesus is saying here. However, we look at that and we go, oh, that's just gross. 
But Jesus is using a shocking, some, this is Jesus being shocking. I mean, I don't normally get up in the pulpit and talk about going to the bathroom, okay? You don't normally get up in public and talk about going to the bathroom. And I'll probably have Mark edit this out later on, but no, I'm teasing. The point is, he's saying, even that's not what makes you unclean. It's what comes from your heart. It's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, and then look at this wasp nest. You ever had a big wasp nest on the corner of your house? I mean, this, I mean, imagine getting stung by any of these. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts. That's talking about immorality, just thinking about all kinds of immorality. Sexual immorality, theft, taking something that doesn't belong to you, murder, you know, trying to take someone else's life, adultery, you know, having sex with somebody that's not your spouse, greed, wanting more and more and more, wickedness, deceit. This is trying to trick people by um, uh, lying to them or misleading them. Lustful desires, that is shameful behavior that you don't even try to conceal. You just try to flaunt it and make it public. If you've ever been to a Mardi Gras, if you've ever been to a, a big, you know, a festival sometimes where there's a lot of alcohol and drugs and people will just try to flaunt immorality at that point. Envy, that means wanting something somebody else has. Slander, that's destroying somebody's reputation. Pride, thinking you're better than anybody else. Foolishness, and that foolishness is not just being silly. That foolishness is what the book of Proverbs call the people who ignore the word of God or the law of God. All of these vile things come from within and they are what defile you. He's not saying the food you eat. And that's still a very big deal to a lot of people. But it's what comes from within. So what is Jesus saying here? Fourthly, he says a pure heart is essential to life. A pure heart was essential to life. I was reading not too long ago because, you know, I just always have been concerned because of all of the pollution that we have here in the metro area from all the industry we have, the brownfields and the, the, the fish that you can't eat coming out of the Detroit River, you know, and maybe the Huron River. Uh, you know, I've just, you know, how could something so pristine and so majestic that was given by God to us be allowed to become so polluted. And so I've always been concerned about how much bacteria, so I read those reports in our community because pure water is essential to life. Wouldn't you agree with that? Pure food is essential to life. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, if you've been in countries where there's guinea worms and other things like that that people have, what we're looking at is Jesus saying, a pure heart is essential to life. It's why we're told in the Bible to guard our hearts with all diligence. Kosher rules were not bad. The Levitical law was not bad. But the kosher rules, the kosher law, the holiness code was given so that we would recognize the evil in our hearts and want to live a holy life before God. What happens when you become a legalist is you no, worry, you no longer worry about your heart. You worry about your outward behavior. And if you get that right, you don't worry about what's growing in your heart like the mug with the science experiment. You're more concerned, am I keeping all the rules? 
maybe growing up like I did, you know, you don't go to movies, you don't dance, you don't smoke, you don't chew tobacco, and you don't date girls that do all of that. You just, that's the kind of, the thing that maybe that's what marked you as a Christian. There is something happening in the Ukraine that has been happening, and um, you may have read about this. I thought it was a great story. Um, as you know, most Russians and Ukrainians can speak a similar language, and um, they have, do you, how many of you remember the story of Shibboleth in the Bible? I, we can deal with that during Q&A, but if you don't remember, have, there were certain people from certain tribes, they couldn't pronounce a word, and so they had to pronounce that word before they could cross the river. And that's how they rooted out people that were, were spies, so to speak. Well, it turns out the Ukrainians and the Russians have a common word, but the Russians cannot say it. And the word is palencia. I have listened to that word for 15 minutes to try and get it, and it's still not right. And so even if a Russian spy in Ukraine gets it right the first time, they have him say it three times rapidly, and it just does not roll off their tongue. Just like it's, you know... I can speak a little bit of Spanish, but the R's just do not roll off my tongue the way that it does with a native Spanish speaker. What is happening is they're using, and by the way, Palencia is a type of bread. I've had it. It is delicious. But what they're doing is they're uncovering all of these spies that Russia has sent into Ukraine to spy and to try and defeat the Ukrainians, but they have learned how to, to take one word in their language and root out the spies because they can't say it. It's kind of like a lie detector. Okay? You can get the outside right, but if this isn't right, nothing's going to be right because it's what comes from within. It's what comes from within. You're not a Ukrainian. You're posing as a Ukrainian, but you're not a Ukrainian. It's like, and I'm especially sensitive to this as a Southerner, you know, Midwesterners get a lot of jobs in the, um, in the radio industry and in recording because Midwesterners have the most neutral accent of anybody in the nation, anybody in the nation. But when I hear a, some an actor trying to put on a fake Southern y'all accent talking, I just want to smack them real good. You know, what's in my heart comes out. Because you know they're not from the South, you know? You just, it's, it's their, my version of Palencia. It's my version of, of shibboleth with them. Well, what Jesus is getting at is hypocrisy is an internal program, a problem, and it's not dealing with the real issue. Look at this verse again in verse 15. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. Now, we've just finished Daniel's plan. And I hope you continue to do the Daniel plan. I am continuing to observe it, and um, I haven't had the courage yet to get fried chicken, but I promised myself when Becky gets home, I'm having fried chicken, okay? Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't eat fried chicken at Baldo's this week, and uh, the waitress saw me later this week, and she said, I knew you were going to order that as soon as you walked in the door, and when you didn't, I was so surprised. And she said, but I'm so glad you didn't because there was only one order left at the end of Sunday. If you'd have ordered it, I wouldn't have had any. So um, that was a little funny thing that happened this week. I'm looking at, I've never done this, I'm looking at labels to see what's in there. How many of you do that? You look at the labels. Almost all of us in here, you look at the labels. 
Let me ask you this. How many of us look at that carefully what we allow to go into our hearts? You see, and I think that's what Jesus is getting at. The Pharisees weren't willing to touch anything unclean. Jesus touched unclean people all the time and made them clean. He touched the demoniac, didn't he? He touched the woman with the issue of blood. Don't be afraid of lost people. Don't be afraid of being involved with the untouchables in life. If there's anything I admired about Mother Teresa, it was she was willing to touch and to love those that nobody else wanted. And that stands out as a highlight of my life to be able to work in that leprosy clinic and bathe those lepers. You see, we touch the unclean and we introduce them to the Savior who lives within us. And God protects us from the uncleanliness of sin. God protects us from the evil of sin. Do you know there's a holy hedge built around about you? The book of Job teaches us that. Remember how the devil said, if you didn't have that hedge around him, you know, I could do this, I could. And, and the Lord had to actually remove that hedge for us to get the book of Job, and yet Job still did not sin. There is more to life than what you can see with a microscope and a telescope. There is a heavenly host around you and I tonight. Can you say amen to that? And so it's important not to be afraid of this world. C.S. Lewis, in a very cogent passage, and I wish I'd put it on the screen for you, but C.S. Lewis in describing, because sometimes we all do things that we wish we hadn't have done. I can rem I've only heard my daddy swear one time, and it wasn't a really bad word, but it was a word that I would have been, mm, I would have went to see Jesus if I'd have said that word. And I remember turning around and looking at my dad. Something wasn't working right with a set of plows, and, uh, and he couldn't get it to budge, and, and he hit himself, and that one word popped out of his mouth, and you probably can guess what it was. And I turned around and looked at him, and he just burst into tears and said, Son, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. There was a cartoon that I saw in a pastor's, you know, pastors have magazines that they read, okay? And there was a cartoon where it says, Deacon so-and-so ruined the pastor's illustrated message, and he was hammering the nail that they were crucifying, and he hit his thumb, and he swore on the, uh, on the pulpit that he ruined the pastor's illustrated message. But sometimes things happen, and what's in our hearts just comes out. That shouldn't panic us. That shouldn't worry us but that should help us to realize what Lewis said. Lewis said, the excuse for most of my sinful moments that immediately springs to my mind is that the provocation was so sudden and unexpected, I was caught off my guard like a rat who didn't get enough warning. And what he's referring to there, if you flip on a light, the rats will scurry. And he said, if the rat didn't get enough warning, he's caught. He said, now there may be an extenuating circumstance as regards those particular acts. They would obviously be worse if they had been, listen, they would obviously be worse if they had been deliberate and premeditated. On the other hand, surely what a man does when he's taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on a disguise is the truth. And what Lewis is saying there is those sudden things like what my dad said or you know, I think I used this as an illustration last week when I called that guy a stupid jerk that cut me off and Siri said, that's not very nice. And at that time, whoever, I think I told you this, at that time, 
whoever put my contacts in put my name in as Pastor Dennis Clanton. And he says, Pastor, that was not very nice. So, you know, being rebuked by a computer. It wasn't premeditated, but it was instant. And I knew I had to deal with something that came out of my heart. It wouldn't keep me from going to heaven, but if your heart's right with God, you don't want that in there. That's the point that you, you don't want that in there. And it's not your work that gets it out of your heart. It's saying, Lord, I need more of your grace. I need more of your grace, and I thank you for the cleansing of your blood. Paul, just real quickly to go over this, because what Jesus said was so revolutionary in this verse, it's not what goes into the body. Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 27, Paul advised the Corinthians, eat whatever is set before you. That blew the Jew's mind. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 14, he says, no food is unclean in itself. And Romans chapter 14, verse 4, 10, and 13, he tells us quit judging others. In verse 13, he tells us to quit putting stumbling blocks in their way. And in verse chapter 15 and verse 5, he says, learn to live in harmony. And then he tells us in chapter 14 and verse 19, build one another up rather than build walls of separation. This is totally different than what the Jews believe. They were all about building walls of separation. They were all about judging others. They were all about putting stumbling blocks. Jesus told them, he even warned them that some, it would be better for a millstone to be put about your neck. And the food deal, boy, that was huge. So before I wrap up with our last point, and we're going to take communion here together tonight for a specific reason with this message. The more I thought about this and prayed about this, I don't need a heart bypass. I need a new heart. And I want you to let that sink into you. I don't need a heart bypass. I don't need a vessel taken from my leg or an artificial vessel to put on my old heart. I need a new heart. I have prayed with numbers of people through the years where a loved one has donated bone marrow to treat leukemia. I pray with a number of people through the years where a loved one has donated a kidney so that somebody else could overcome kidney disease. But I've never met anyone living that says, you need a new heart, let me give you my heart. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and me at Calvary. And it's what the word says. Because you can bring somebody to this church and they can sit in the pew and they can sing the songs and we can teach them discipleship, but we can't give them a new heart. We can baptize them, but if they don't have a new heart, they go down a dry center and they come up a wet center. Only Jesus can give us a new heart. And he gives us a new heart when we're born again by his grace and we grow in godliness. Because when we get that new heart, then the outside really does change because it's coming from within. It's not religion. It's not tradition. It's not legalism. And I have found through the years the reason people run from any teaching on legalism is they're afraid it's going to threaten their traditions 
rather than look at what Jesus is saying, we have to have new hearts. There's nothing wrong with good traditions. But if the wineskin becomes old and brittle, you've got to have a new wineskin. So Jesus says, we've got to have new wineskins so we don't lose the wine and lose the heart. So it's very important that we understand the application of this principle. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus tells a man who was religious, who was Jewish, who kept the rules and was a member of the Sanhedrin, he says, Nick, I tell you the truth, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Look at Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 with me. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out of you your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'm not saying this just to be nice, because I have a feeling a lot of you were much nicer than I was. But what Jesus took out of me was a stony, stubborn, hardened, bitter heart. And he changed my life when he put a new heart inside of me. And Jesus offers you, and he offers me his heart tonight. Because without the new heart that Jesus gives me, listen, without the new heart that Jesus gives me, I would never love God. I would never love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. But a new heart makes that possible for me to love God passionately and to love you passionately. And how do we know that we've got this new heart? Mark's already shown us, and now the pace is really starting. We're headed rapidly towards Calvary now. But we've already seen it, where Jesus touches the leper, where Jesus sets the demoniac free, where Jesus forgives the man's sins and heals him, this Lord down through the roof, when he touches and heals the unclean woman, when he forgives others, when Jesus is touching those that nobody else will touch. And we're willing to do that same thing not fearing the uncleanliness of the world, but knowing that greater is he that is within us than he that's within the world. Last week, I went twice to pray with a man that I have to gown up and everything when I go in to pray for him because the staff tells me there's some nasty bacteria that you're going into. And so I talked to the staff and I said, now, before I go in, I said, you know, I love my family. I love my ch- I'm with a lot of people. I'll be in a lot of meetings. You know, at, am I going to be putting anybody else at risk? I, I want to go in and pray for him. And they says, no, if you will gown up, glove up, like we're telling you to, you will not pose a risk. Friends, you are not at risk when you go into all the world and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. You go in the name of Jesus. You go in the love of Jesus. You go covered by the blood of Jesus. You are more than a conqueror tonight. Can you say amen? Let me pray with you this evening, and then we'll have our Q&A session. Father, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for this time to spend with friends and family. I'm so thankful, Lord, for the word of God. I'm so thankful that you give us a pure heart. You give us a new heart. And Lord, we just join in with David when we say, create in me a pure heart, O Lord. 
And I ask you that you would bless our friends online and you would strengthen them and that this time together will minister to them as well as minister to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, on Sunday mornings, I'm in a brand new series called Capture the Wonder. I've had fun telling my lost friends about this series that I'm preaching and the wonders that are in our world that God has created for us. I hope you'll come join us Sunday morning, be a part of our service and, and come visit Woodland. And then next month is going to be Mother's Day. Next month is May, isn't it? I can't believe I had to get frost off the windows and it's almost May here. Next month is going to be Mother's Day. It's going to be a wonderful time. I hope you'll come and join us real soon. God bless you, and I mean this with all my heart. I may not have met you yet, but I do love you. And if you will text us or send us a message through Facebook or any of the addresses that go up, go up on the screen, I promise you we'll respond to you and we'll be praying for you. Good night.